This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and Rossi much more. fights off an Anna's check. Sends it back to Kulikov. Cuts to the middle. Hands to Beckman. He scores! What a throws to work for the Wild. Centers one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. And now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome in to a special episode of Sound the Foghorn, a Sunday night recording tonight. Brett Marshall alongside my pals Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki and special guest Dave Schwartz of Care 11 Sports joining us tonight on the show as well to talk some Minnesota Wild Hockey after a one and one weekend. But before we get to all the introductions, let's check in with my pal Zeke and Justin. Zeke, it's been just a couple days since we last chatted, mm-hmm. but uh, how, how was the weekend? Well, it was good. I went to the went to the uh, the game yesterday and Saturday against the Ducks. So obviously, much better than than the game that happened just an hour ago. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a good weekend. Just had a lot of you know went to the game, watched a lot of football and sports. So it's been go- been good. And Justin, how are things at the ever busy Baki household? Uh, busy as always. We uh, Miko had hockey well Saturday Sunday, and we're just getting ready to close on our house on Tuesday. So. Got a lot going on. Uh, more hockey tomorrow for Miko and, and Amelia, but uh, powering through it all. It's a good busy. Awesome, awesome. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a special guest with us today, Dave Schwartz of Care 11 Schwartz. Wow, Care 11 Schwartz. Care 11 Sports uh, <laughs> joining us on the show today. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you doing on this Sunday evening? Uh, I'm fantastic. Justin, your son's name is Miko? That's correct, Yes. Wow, good for you. I tried to name our first, my first son, my only son, Wayne, because uh, I was a huge Gretzky fan, and the wife put the kibosh on it. So good for you. Yeah, thank you. Long story short, I tell people there's a, a grandfather, about eight grandfathers down the way that that's uh, named Miko, but in, okay. in reality, it, it, it was Miko Koivu that kind of spread the idea. <laughs> Good for you for getting I lost that battle very quickly. Hey, at least you gave it a shot, though. You can't say you didn't try. That's right. That's right. right. <laughs> well, Dave, we know you're a big hockey fan, and what we like to do with all of our guests kind of uh, on their first appearance is just have them kind of take us through your, your hockey journey, so how you got into hockey and just kind of the importance and the role it plays uh, in, in your life on kind of a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So the floor is yours. Gosh, I started playing hockey when I was 11 years old. Uh, I swam for many years, and my mother really loved that I swam. And then we finally had to have like a real sit-down heart-to-heart, and I said, Mom, you know, I'm I'm 5'10", and that's just not really a swimming body. God gave me a hockey-playing body, and I really want to play hockey. And I asked her for years, and she's like, I'm afraid you're going to get hurt. I'm afraid you're going to get hurt. I said, please let me play. So 
So I got out there my first season, but three games in, I said I wanted to quit. And my dad said, well, we paid a lot of money for the season, so you're going to finish it. And by the time uh, I finished the season, I, I absolutely loved it. And I was hooked. And I played uh, all the way up going through high school, played a couple of years of juniors, didn't make my college team. Uh, and so then my, I kind of had to make the choices if I wanted to keep playing juniors or I wanted to try to find a real job. So I decided to find a real job. Um, and in college, I started doing radio broadcasts and I really loved it. And I ended up um, doing the hockey games for four years at, at the college. I went to Hobart and William Smith College, which is out in uh, western New York. Actually, I got cut from that team and they only won four games in four years. So that tells you just how bad I was that I couldn't even make that. <laughs> well, maybe team. if they had not um, cut you, they would have done better. You know, maybe I would have been just the thing that would have put them over the top yeah. to winning. You know, <laughs> may, who knows? Maybe the they won five, games. five games, six games, maybe eight <laughs> games. Who knows? Uh, so I, I played and played until I couldn't play anymore. And then I, uh, I got a job where I could talk about it all the time and cover it. And that's what led me to Minnesota, which has been awesome. And I've been, I still play once or twice a week. I coach uh, both my kids' teams, and I assistant coach on a high school team. And then I cover hockey all the time. So it's really – it's played an integral role in my life, to be honest with you. And it's it's kind of fun. It, interestingly enough that we don't have a ton of um, real diehard hockey TV sports guys uh, in this town. I think it's basically me and Jim Rich. Chris Long likes hockey a lot too and he and I chat about it a lot but other than that um, we're kind of the hockey guys so it's 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 guided me as I've gone on in my career and I, I love when I get to talk about it yeah we, we love having you our, that yeah, we love our local Sorry, hockey guys. no Justin you're, you're good go ahead go for it <laughs> I, was gonna, I was gonna say since you play juniors uh, answer this do you have an elite prospects page uh, boy I can't imagine that I do I would love to know <laughs> if you could find one um, I probably have a subpar prospects page if that's a yeah. website. I don't think I would have been classified as an elite. But you might. I think, gosh, one time I, I forget where I found my said certainly wasn't elite prospects, but it was somewhere. I was my I played so long ago that the league I played in no longer exists. It was the Empire Junior Hockey League out in New York and it doesn't exist anymore. Jeff. Well, I, I have one just from playing high school hockey, so y you never know. <laughs> what high school did you play in? Uh, I played at uh, St. Michael Albertville High School. I graduated in 2014. All right. You know what? I don't think I would have even made the junior varsity of the Minnesota high school team. I, I truly don't. That's how, you know, New York, upstate New York, where I played, it was high school club. We Our high school didn't have a team, which to Minnesotans is a foreign idea that a school wouldn't have a hockey team. <laughs> but my high school didn't. So we had to play. So it was kind of like junior gold. Um, and so, yeah, I would have loved – gosh, if I grew up here, I would have been a much better hockey player maybe or quit <laughs> earlier because I would have been weeded out. <laughs> All right. Well, we're very happy to have you on the show. So let, let's talk some wild. Uh, let's start with the good and just kind of go chronologically. The wild uh, got their fourth win of the season last night on another thrilling fashion, coming from behind again over the Anaheim Ducks, a 4-3 overtime win capped off by a Ryan Hartman goal who had just three seconds of ice time in overtime but made it count. Yeah, I always, I'm always reminded that he was a first-round draft pick, which really kind of ma yeah. amazes me about Ryan Hartman because he's not that like that kind of guy that I think would be that. But, I, you know, through these first four games, I'm really impressed with the depth of the talent that they have. I mean, Absolutely. when you think about the fact that we still haven't seen – any goals yet from Fiala or Kaprizov? Is that right? Has Fiala, Fiala has one? one. Fiala has yep, one. Kaprizov has none. 
and 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 the fact that that those guys aren't on the score sheet a whole lot really kind of shows just how deep this team is that they're getting their scoring from lines two, three, and four. Although Dean Evison will refuse to call lines two, three, and four. Lines two, three, and four. <laughs> they're just lines, but we all know what they are. And, until you look at the ice time, then it's pretty clear what exactly. it's three, what's four. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about that fourth line because this whole weekend they were great. Brandon Duheim, Nico Sturm, and Nick Bukestad. Duheim finally gets – let's start with him. He finally gets career goal number one. Uh, I tweeted this out from the podcast account. Uh, don't haven't had it fact checked yet, so I'm going to call it fact until we're proved otherwise. But I think it might be the first time a player has scored his first career NHL goal without actually physically having his stick uh, in his hands. Yeah, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Absolutely, as they say, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he he. I once scored a goal because a guy who I played with, who went on to play in the NHL, Matt Murley, very short career. I once scored a goal because he took a slap shot that went off my butt and in a goal, and they credit it to me. <laughs> so a lot like Brandon Duheim's goal, uh, that first one. I mean, I think he was – what a great goal. And you, they posted a picture of him after with his first goal puck, and he's not even smiling. He's like this. He's just staring at the camera. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah. great. My first goal went off someone else's stick. I was bending <laughs> down to pick up mine, and it went off my glove and in. Like, that's that's going to be – someday he's going to appreciate that, but that's Absolutely. still pretty funny. Yeah, my, my first high school goal was – Kind of something similar. So my line mate was one of the best. They, for whatever reason, decided to put with one of the best guys in the team. He takes it coast to coast, or from goal line to goal line, undressed the whole team. I just kind of followed the play. He beat the goalie through the five hole. It kind of stopped on the goal line. I just followed the play and poked it in, but celebrated <laughs> like I was the one that took it <laughs> coast to coast. Hey, hey, this sounds least... like uh, right place at the right time. Exactly. Yeah. Go to the net. That's where the goals are. At least, yeah. At least none of y'all, I don't think, were like me. You had the guy on the other team get credited for uh, you going the opposite way and scoring on your own goal. Oof. Back in Pee Wee's <laughs> when I was twelve. So. Uh, you, you can never did that. <laughs> no, yeah, no. That's you, a good one. Would I wouldn't recommend it. So. L- lesson learned, though, right, Zeke? Yeah, less, yeah, no, yeah, never, never again. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, I, I think the depth that that this team has shown has been great, as we alluded to. Just one goal between Fiala and Kaprizov, but we've seen just all these mm-hmm. other lines contribute. We've also seen a fair amount of scoring from the blue line. Uh, Jared Spurgeon had a goal against Anaheim. John Merrill obviously had the tying goal. We've mm-hmm. seen Matt Dumba just firing pucks left and right. I believe was it the Anaheim game or the one before? Might have been the Winnipeg game where he had a a, a team record nine shots on goal from the blue yeah. line. Just I mean, we, we talked about our Matt Dumba love uh, on, on the last pod, but great to see the offense coming from the back end as well as well as the the, the four lines. And yeah. he, I, I, I'll I'll chip in on the Matt Dumba love too because I mean that <laughs> shot that he took in the inside of the thigh last night, mm-hmm. um, that he just <sighs> went right down the ramp and everybody you know right down the tunnel, everybody's freaking out. You know, he's just went back there to. Mm-hmm. curse like heck and walk yep. it off and then come back out you know two minutes later and he's right. back on the ice but that kid I, I i to watch his game grow from where he was as a rookie to now and how much more responsible he's been with the puck how much uh how much smarter he is now in his in his plays you know 50 50 plays where he could pinch or doesn't risk reward kind of plays where he's really making the right decision almost every time now um, it just really impresses me, and I'm I'm glad that they got him signed to something more long term that he can he can kind of be on that blue line for a while. And I think the, uh, the I mean the unfortunate thing with him is when he makes one mistake, then you'll have uh, the all that becomes the narrative that he you know, he's going to do that every time. There's just mm-hmm. the one, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think the other guy on D, uh, the newcomer in Alex Goligoski, I think, you know, obviously tonight wasn't good for anybody, but f- from what I've seen, it seems like he's been, 
you know, not flashy, but he seems like he's filled in uh, really solid uh, for Ryan Seward in that, on that top pair with Jared Spurgeon. And like, so I was just wondering, what have you kind of thought of his game so far? I, I mean, I'm pleasantly ple- pleased with it. I, I'm actually old enough that I covered him when he was in high school okay. at Grand Rapids High School when I worked in Bemidji, which was my first okay. job. So I remember okay. him being in high school, and he was unbelievable. He's mm-hmm. a really good stay-at-home defenseman. And and when you yeah. have guys like the Matt Dumbas, the Jonas Brodines, and, and to a degree the Spurgeons, although he doesn't take the puck a whole lot, uh, you need those guys. And and mm-hmm. Alex Goligoski truly is, you know, Ryan Suter light. Um, yeah. certainly the salary is a lot nicer, uh, than Ryan Suter's, but <laughs> yes, he stays at home. Well, he'll give you the minutes he needs, and he's probably not going to make too many stupid mistakes. Cause he's just, he's a very smart player. He knows his angles. He knows mm-hmm. how to play the right way where he is in the zone. And he just doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. He'll make some, but then again, so did Ryan Suter when he was here. Right. So I, I think it was a smart move to get him. It was a lucky move. You know, it was a good thing for them to get him uh, at the at the team friendly price tag and get a guy in there who can be as close to Ryan Suter as you can get without having Suter. Yeah, and I think we'll continue to see as you know him and Spurgeon play more and ga- more games together. I think they'll continue to to build that chemistry because. You know, Spurgeon and Suter were you know D partners for however long that was three four years. When when that when you bring a new guy in there, it's going to take some time to adjust. And mm-hmm. I, I've been surprised if, as as to how good those two have looked, even in you know whatever it is now. But going back to preseason, I think it's just basically seven games plus whatever they've had in practice. So mm-hmm. it's encouraging to see. But I think it's just a testament too, just to how freaking good Jared Spurgeon is too. Just put him with anyone, yeah. he just continues to be just mm-hmm. freaking awesome. He really is. He's he's such a great team player i mean you really couldn't ask for a better captain either but just a guy who will always it's just so rare i can think of i mean for as many years as he's been here can you ever really think of a play or a a number more than a couple plays where he's just blown something so bad that it's hurt them and he just doesn't make mistakes you know ryan Suter was like this this poster child for steady play but we you know people ignored how amazing jared spurgeon Mm -hmm. was has a great shot he's tiny but he plays his role so well (laughs) Uh, he rarely gets beat, and he always knows what he's doing on the ice. He always plays it the right way. I think he's, for a long time, I don't think inside the locker room, but outside the locker room, he hasn't gotten all of the love and respect that he should have. Yeah, we've, we've been advocating for him to th- that he should be in serious consideration for the Canadian Olympic team, and it's you know pretty much no one even mm-hmm. blinks an eye at him, but it's like this is the kind of guy you'd maybe love to have on your third pair. You know, he, he can't just be all offensive, guys. you got to have these guys that are smart in both areas. And the other thing, too, is, you know, uh, we saw, I believe it was Slavin last year when the Lady Bing, not a lot of defense and win that award, but it's an award I feel like Jared Spurgeon could win over and over again. He just doesn't take a lot of penalties. Took one tonight, a boarding, which, you know, he's trying to make a physical play and the guy just had his back turned and, you know, it happens. But uh, I, I think that's just another underrated part. He's just always in the right spots. I'm constantly amazed every time I watch him at how often he's able to get his stick into passing lanes and deflect pucks and block pucks. Yeah. Tonight he makes a great play in a two-on-one, deflects a puck, and freaking Genoa or whatever his name is, is able to bat it out of midair. But, I mean, there's yeah. nothing else you could ask Spurgeon to do on that play. He plays it perfectly, gets a stick on it, and then just a fluky little play. and a, a, a nice bat out of the air nonetheless, but just stuff like that too. That always Just those little things that sometimes don't necessarily show up on the score sheet that I'm constantly impressed with as well. Yeah, it's crazy five to think foot that, six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to think that the Islanders didn't really give him a chance either, and, and we just kind of got lucky and and – ended up getting him on our team and he just turns out to be uh, I think the best defenseman on this team all around. Yeah. It is yeah. interesting sometime when you see how many guys 
who have come to the wild, who have not done well elsewhere, but they, but a change mm-hmm. of scenery, you know, you think back to the Nino Niederreiter with the Islanders right. and he came here and he was great. Kevin Fiala with Nashville comes here and, mm-hmm. and we'll forever think Paul Fenton made the greatest deal in the history of the franchise, <laughs> even though he was a complete jerk. What a deal that was right. for Grandland. Um, but it, that's just so interesting sometimes about how, and I'm sure it happens on other teams too, but we're much yeah. more keyed into it. How the Wild have done pretty well, you know. I mean, they have guys that have failed too, but getting guys who were castoffs elsewhere and then coming here—that's why. Like three or four years ago, I was such a big proponent. I wanted the Wild to go get Nail Yakupov because uh, they wanted to get rid of him, Edmonton. I'm like, if we could just tap into that guy here, holy cow, he'd be nuts. But he wasn't. He's terrible, and I think now he's playing in the KHL and he's doing just yeah, fine. Yeah. Yep. You know, another guy that I, I know we've kind of talked about the fourth line and you, know, you kind of think of Nico Sturm and, and Duheim and, and their speed and, and grit that Duheim's brought. But uh, I feel like Bugstead has gotten quicker this year. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but for some reason he just looks like maybe maybe his, he's tapped into the do- doppelganger of, of Sturm's speed and, <laughs> and, and become a faster player and worked on it this summer. Yeah, the, the way that line just seems to feed off each other. I mean, you, you saw it so much in these last two games. I mean, they're not a line that's going to attack you off the rush very often, but you have just the speed of, of Duheim and Sturm that are, you know, Bukestad's often the one that seems like he's carrying the puck in the zone, dumping it in, those two go forecheck, and they just shoot from everywhere. Like, they don't, they're not trying to make the pretty play. It's just, hey, get shots on net, crash the net. Um, they're awarded with two goals tonight. Uh, it's just it's been great to see that line of chemistry. I think it's one we identified kind of in our primer line that we were really excited for that we thought would have some good success, and, and we've seen that so far through these first five games. That's really, and if you think about it, they're kind of a microcosm for what the NHL has become. You know, for like five years yeah. ago, six years ago, seven years ago, that was your checking line. Right. You didn't want them to score. You just go in, you bang it around the corner a little bit, and then you get off the ice. And And those guys can still do that. I've actually seen – in the four games, I thought Bugstead has gotten better because the first game or two, I thought he was still playing a little tentative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've kind of seen more. And he had a great goal against Nashville where he just picked the corner on the goalie uh, yeah. on a really, you know, the goalie played it well, came out, and, and Bugie didn't have a very good angle, but he shot it and, and, it's, and he scored. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so, I mean, to get that kind of production out of a line that is, for all intents and purposes, your physical checking line, it's pretty good. Yeah. Definitely a luxury a lot of a lot of teams don't have is a, a yeah. fourth line that you can comfortably roll ten minutes a night. Yeah, and that's not not just out there to throw punches and fight and all that. Yeah, they got Ryan skill. Reeves. It's not you know three Ryan Reeveses. Yeah, or, uh, you know it's not <laughs> Ryan know, Reeves and, and Colasar and whoever else Vegas screwed up on there. Steve Ott. Yeah, yeah, Steve Ott. yeah. remember him. Okay. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about the game tonight. Uh, for the first time, I think this year really kind of saw this team just not look quite all in sync. It starts with a terrible first period where they take four minor penalties. I think three of the four were stick infractions. Kapokakinen looks a little shaky. The penalty kill continues to struggle. I thought after the first period it was much better, but by then it was you know the damage already done with, with three first period goals. It was a, it was a pretty steep hill to climb um, after those first twenty minutes. Yeah, I think another I, thing that's hurt. Sorry, Dave. To, to no, go ahead. You, but I, I think another thing that we need to fix, even though we've won four of the five games, is in every single game we've played so far this year, we've gone down first, and and this time we just couldn't recover from it, especially with all the penalties we took in the first period and mm-hmm. not being able to kill them off when you allow two goals and four penalties. It, it's hard to catch up from that. 
I, I think they probably, and this is just a hunch, that they knew how difficult it was to go five and zero when you're set, when the fought fifth game is a back to back, and you're starting yeah. not your number one goalie. You're starting Capo, who's who's been okay at times, not great. And I and I do I agree with you. They got to start scoring first, and that's where the problem's coming in of not getting their top line scoring. Is they're just no. their top lines one and two for whatever you want to call them. Um, are being matched and and to think that you're going to win every game just because your third and your fourth line can get the goals for you it doesn't work long term it can work at times but it doesn't work long term I've been and I I shudder to say this but I'll say it not been super thrilled at times with the way Kaprizov at least tonight I didn't like the way he looked tonight did not think he was skating very hard tonight Mm -hmm. well did not yeah he was not playing his best hockey he's probably tired I'm sure he's getting every time he gets out there he's getting beat up but that's why they pay you the money. You got to find a way to make yourself a difference, either if it's on the, you know, on making an assist or a play. And he's done that at times. But you know what? If you want to be put into the names and the categories of the, you know, the the Matthews and the McDavid's and the Crosby's and the Ovechkins and the Stamkos, like you got to find a way to get on the score sheet and make a big difference Absolutely. every night. And if it's not a mm-hmm. assist, it better be a goal. But if you have a night where you don't have either, that's not a good thing for you. And I think. I don't know. I feel obviously there's last year at the beginning of the season. I remember the big gripe with him was, you know, not shooting the puck enough, you know, trying to be too cute, trying to make the perfect play. And I think I just saw Dean Evanson's quote saying, you know, with him, he, I think he just needs to simplify his game a little bit more and get back to, you know, first, you know, going hard in the forecheck and try to, you know, play the more complete game. Because I think there was like two times in the first period, you know, the few times, when they were not on the kill where he comes in trying to go one on three and make a fancy little, you know, mm-hmm. between the legs stick handle move, which, you know, he can do, and he can do that one-on-one. Like when you're playing well, that's uh that's great. But I, I think at times, I mean, we all know this, I think he's just uh, has a little bit of the, you know, tries to play it too cute and uh, just, I mean, like I said, just, just shoot the puck too. And you get chances. Cause that's the one problem with that top line with him and Zuccarello is they play that two man game and, it's just, yeah, no, he, he's he's just not going good right now. And it, I'd wait. I think I'm not too worried. I think he's probably just needs a, a good game, a, a bounce or something just to get that confidence going. Then I'll be back. But you know, that, it, it's I, I, I did not hear that quote from Everson, but <clears throat> excuse me, that that kind of quote from mm-hmm. a coach worries me because that's code for he's trying to do too much and he's gripping yeah. the stick too hard and and it's just not coming for him so he's really Mm -hmm. he just needs it's good because he just needs one right and i i -hmm. think this is the start at least for me i thought he would start last season this way where Mm -hmm. it was going to take him a little bit you know he could do it and he knew he could do it but he was going to be pressing really hard Mm -hmm. and i think that goal in la last year that started off his career which it wasn't pretty you know it goes off the skate and in but that's it like that broke that kind of broke the threshold and then, and then he's off to the races. He needs one of those so that he can just mm-hmm. kind of get his mind right again. Because right now he's thinking, I just got a big contract, and I'm not, you know, I'm not putting in results right now. So I better push harder. Better push harder. And the guys in the room are going, well, What the heck? You know, we just gave this guy a huge deal after 55 games. Why isn't he? I mean, they're not saying it, but they're thinking, We just gave this guy a big deal. Why isn't he, you know, producing for us yet? So I, I, I think the the whole you know, simplify it means he's got to, you're right. He's got to stop trying to be so cute and going through everybody and just do what he does, which is, you know, get in the zone, make some good moves and, and get that shot off real quick. Like he can do, or just make a play and, and set up somebody else. 
Yeah, and I, I think for me, too, the things you look at, you know, last year, we, it, a lot of times, you know, he has five assists for the first five games. That's good. Three of those come in one game. But three of those five assists are secondary assists. And a lot of th- I think big thing we harped on last year was how often he was that last pass before the goal, creating that scoring chance. We haven't seen that as much. He only has one individual high danger chance through five games, which for a guy that's, you know, we, we thought would be, you know, could push a, be a 40 goal scorer. He was top 10 in the league in scoring last year. One high danger chance every five games is not going to get you to that 30 goal mark. Um, and Zeke is you little just, you know, trying to do too much, getting too cute. A lot of turnovers kind of just inside the blue line. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to get that puck deep, especially a lot of times it seems like it's on a line change too, where you don't have that help. So just get it in, get the change. But yeah, Dave, I think as you allude to, I think once, once that first goal hits, hopefully that just kind of, you know, gets, gets the monkey off the back and we can see him, see him produce. Cause, and I thought the third period tonight, he looked better too, especially toward the end of the game. We saw him kind of shooting from all angles. He missed, you know, short side twice, just, just barely, but um, hopefully, you know some uh, an easier road trip here. I think it's Nashville, Seattle, or not Nashville, excuse me, Vancouver, yep. uh, Seattle, and who's the uh, and Colorado, is Colorado on Saturday. Yeah. So that'll be a tougher game. But these next two, I think, are could be some get right games for yeah. The, and the sophomore slumps a real deal. You know, Absolutely. I mean, it, it it's different. No, we all knew about Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota, but the rest of the league didn't know what he was last year when when we first started, and now. Everybody knows him, and so you're every time he's out there, if they can, he's being matched by one of the top guys on the other side, and so he's getting the superstar treatment, and now he's got to figure out a way to elevate his game. He didn't have to elevate his game that much last year. He was just really good, and now he's got to take it up a notch to try to figure out, okay, how do I navigate this new experience for me where I'm always drawing the top guy on the other side. Right, and he's also facing different competitions here. Instead of the same seven teams or whatever, he's right. he's facing every team in the league and and just seeing different players and and maybe even better players because a lot of the teams he faced last year were pretty crappy. But uh, you know, I did look. He did go through stretches of six games, twice, five games, four games where he didn't score and still finished with twenty seven goals and fifty five games or whatever. So you know, he will figure it out. And, and same thing with Fiala. He. I'm not making excuses for these guys, but it seems like Fiala always starts the season off slow and then gets going and, and doesn't really stop very much. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say be patient. These guys need to figure, like get going sooner than later. Like you said earlier, we can't have a third and fourth line winning us games, but uh, I think they'll figure it out pretty soon here and, and yeah. get rolling. Fiala is the one I'm definitely not worried about at all because all the numbers are there for him. He's basically got some pretty poor puck luck. I mean, you, it, it seems like he could have a goal every game and it's, you know, he got hauled down by a trip or, you know, tonight he makes a great cut to the net and, you know, barely gets stopped in the goal line. He has another one that it goes, you know, off the pad, off the post. Like he's just not getting the bounces and those are going to come. And I think once the power play and stuff start, starts clicking a little bit too, Fiala will be fine because he's getting those shots. He's getting those high danger areas. I think he's got eight of those high danger chances through five games. That's what you want on a Fiala. But Caprice Stiles is what I'm a little more worried about just because we're not seeing those dangerous shooting chances that we saw, especially pick up in that second half last year. But um, with, with both of them, I think they're, they're going to come too. And I think I think especially one, one more thing I have on Kaprizov, I think is you know th- these last three games were the first time he's played in front of 18,000 home fans um, where, where he, you know he knows he's the guy. And I think, you, Zeke, we felt that we talked about it um, – you know, the, his first shift, he, he gets the puck on his stick, and the entire building just starts to kind of just rise up in, in unison and cheer for him. Um, and I think, you know, that there's there's got to be a little bit of pressure there too, and maybe that's, you know, part of trying to do too much is you you want to get one for the fans and everything, and there's, again, just to simplify that game. 
I think he needs to. Didn't last year he talked to like his mom or his dad or something, and uh, they told him to shoot the puck more. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe just needs to talk to his dad, tell him to shoot the puck more, and then he'll be fine. Yep. So Zeke, <laughs> let, let's talk about something that uh, apparently ended up being pretty controversial for you on Twitter tonight, and that was Capo Kakinen. Um struggled in the hmm. preseason against St. Louis. Uh, gave up three first-period goals tonight, a couple of which he probably wanted back. And this isn't uncommon for what we've seen from Kakinen. Uh He seems to kind of be really hot and cold. Where do you guys feel your, your pulse is at on Kakinen? Do, do you feel like the Wild can trust him to be a guy that they can start, you know, every third or fourth game, or is, is it going to have? They're going to have. Do you feel like they need to lean on Talbot a little bit more this year? Well, I don't know. I think we already know that they're going to you know, lean on him because, you know, it was surprising that they did start him four games. And also I think the fact that in the expansion draft, they protected the 34 year old goalie who, even if he was good last year, he was still, you know, usually if you thought the 24 year old kid who was, you know, goalie of the year in the AHL a couple of years ago, usually you would normally protect that guy, but they obviously, I don't think are too married to that idea, especially when they picked Walsett in the first round. But I don't know. I mean, as I mentioned on Twitter, I mean, I, I hope he gets better. Uh, this is not a thing where I have, you know, a vendetta against him or something. I don't want him to succeed, but I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, he's not that, all that big. I, I'm not a goal expert, but it doesn't seem like he moves particularly. Like, I just don't see anything that's particularly outstanding in his game. And I mean, you know, man, maybe that's good enough to be good in Finland in the AHL like he was, but it just seems to me like he's a, inconsistency throughout his whole career and I just I don't know I, I just don't see anything that stands out like as high end to me his game there's so I've watched him a ton because I, I didn't see a lot of him tonight but I've watched him in the past and, mm-hmm. and there have been a couple things that have struck me one I wish the wild still had Bob Mason because Bob Mason could make any goalie amazing he's been he was the goalie coach for years and and he was phenomenal and he was the whole reason why Devin Dubnik had success here in in my opinion uh, but I mm-hmm. see some things out of Capo that I used to see out of Dubnik, which is he cuts, he, he takes shortcuts. He doesn't get all the way up to the post, or he doesn't get out enough and challenge shooters. And so there mm-hmm. are there are gaps where his coverage is of the net. And in the AHL, those guys can't hit those spots. That's why they're in the AHL. In the NHL, if you give Sidney Crosby or Mikhail Granlund or Roman Yossi or whoever, you know, that much space, they can get the puck in there, no problem. And that's why mm-hmm. they're there. So he's got to really go back and hopefully he will. And I, I don't know, I would assume that he's a, a hard worker and a guy who probably pays real close attention to his game, but he's got to go back and see where tonight, where his mistakes came from. And and if there are things that are okay, I'm not, I'm not getting across, you know, quick enough on the shooters. I'm not challenging getting up enough out of the crease. I'm not hugging the post, things like that, that Dubnik never did. And I'm not saying he didn't recognize that he had those problems. He just never fixed them. There are way too many goals in Dubnik's tenure where you'd see a guy just put one up over his shoulder because he was cutting the angle short or something like that. And so I feel like that's that's the big difference right now between Talbot and and Capo, which is Talbot has pretty good physical attributes when it comes to playing goalie, Mm -hmm. but he's really smart, and and he knows his angles, and he doesn't usually Mm -hmm. mess those up. Capo may actually physically be a more prototypical goalie. I think Mm -hmm. he's – what is he, like 6'1", 6'2"? He's not – Huge, yeah, but he's taller than. He might be six yeah. three even. I, I think he's taller than Talbot, so the physical is there. He's just got to figure out. Okay, I got to make sure that I, I know my angles and I'm I'm getting to the spots that I need to. When he puts all that together, I think he can be better. But if he doesn't do it soon, at some point here, you're going to have to see who else you got. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure Hunter Jones is down 
in Iowa. And if I'm remembering correctly, he had a phenomenal junior uh, career over the last couple of years. I've kind of been on like, I've been on the Hunter Jones bandwagon. Um, but I mean, I don't think that they can afford to have such a drop off between goalies one and one a or one and two, whatever you want to call them. Um, mm-hmm. If every third or fourth, because you don't want to lose every third or fourth game. You just, you just can't. No. Right. Yeah, and I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I want him to be more than this, but I, I don't know if he's gonna. He's, I don't think he'll be a starter, uh, like a one A type goalie. I, I think maybe he'll be a backup type, like a Anton Hadobin, who, even though he's gotten starts recently, you know, like in Dallas, he's been the starter. But I think with guys like you mentioned, Hunter Jones and and uh, um, Wallstead in the system. I think that uh, I I don't think he's going to be – he's definitely going to be a starter, but we'll, we'll see how he develops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think the other thing for me too, and I'll, I'm going to draw kind of a weird comparison, but it was something I kind of saw with Darcy Kemper kind of during his early years, and it was just kind of these shreds of inconsistency in, the, in these – you know, kind of a, of when it rains, it pours. It seems like when Kakinen's dialed in, he makes that, you know, that big save. I think we even saw it tonight. He, he kind of made that save on that wraparound um, after he kind of gave way behind the net and the game almost became 3 nothing. And it seemed like after that, he kind of settled in. But we saw it in the preseason game against St. Louis, too. They pop in a quick couple ones, and it's 2-3, and they happen quick, 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 boom, boom, boom. And they get him off his game, and I think it just takes... You know, I feel like he's just he's not settling into games right away, and maybe his head. I don't know if it's something with a different way he's got to prepare, or what, or you know, it just seems like when he lets up one, he gets really rattled. Um, so I, it's, I think it might be a mental thing for him too, and I think I think he knows it that the team knows it that you know, shoot, he's in, and I I think part of it too. We we talked about you know at times last year how confident the Wild looked playing in front of Talbot. Um, and you know the, even the difference when Devin Dimmick started to decline and Staylock wasn't at how more confident the team was taking chances. Maybe they're pinching a little bit more in the offensive zone. So I, I just hope he can figure it out because I think the team will, is going to feel like they're going to have to change their game. Maybe play a little more, you know, collapse defensively and help the goalie versus when Tal- Talbot's in there, they can play that more run and gun type of game. And it's hard to win games like I mean, good offense starts with defense, and so if your defense is collapsing too much and not able to get up the ice, that does make a difference. I also think that, to your point, uh, as he gets older and more experienced, it, it'll be better. Bob Mason, it was actually the one that told me, and I never really thought about it, but he said, older goalies are better. I mean, guys, goalie is the one position in the NHL where guys improve with age. You're not getting hit and beaten around all the time, so your body's still good. Obviously, you have to make sure you're flexible, but yeah. you get smarter. You know your angles. You know where you're supposed to be, and that's why a lot of goalies – I mean, look at Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, he, he doesn't seem to age, and he just keeps getting you know better better. Now he's on another team in Chicago. It's that those really good goalies do take time – to kind of mature a bit in season and maybe capo can can be that and i think my only i think i guess i see obstacle is that generally in goal they need to play more to i guess develop and work out whatever issues they have and i think obviously they're not really in a spot where they can afford to even go half and half now and just throw them out here every time or at least they don't feel like it yet so you just i just wonder if he's ever really going to get that opportunity to you know, fully, I guess, develop himself or, or improve at, at least here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much run he gets here, even kind of through the month of November, if you know what it's going to take to go back to him. But you know, D- Dean Evison's given given him the vote of confidence, and you know, Kakinen knows. I guarantee you, he knows he had a rough night tonight. So 
we'll see what happens going forward. Yep. Um, do you guys have anything else you kind of want to hit on here before before we wrap up? Um, I'm trying to think. Can we talk about how great Freddie Goudreau's been through the first couple of day- games? Because sure. I, mm-hmm. I had no idea what they were getting in him. That I, I've been so impressed. I know it hasn't been. He hasn't been on the score sheet a bunch, but boy, he just seems to be everywhere with the way he plays. Um, you know, he, I would call, I was, I thought he was going to be Zach Parise light, but I think Zach Parise is Freddie Goudreau light because I really have been very impressed with the way Goudreau's played. Yeah, it, it, we talked about this a little bit, um, I think on our last show, just how impressed we were, even for the change from what we saw in preseason into the regular season. Just like in the preseason, it, we talked about, you know, Puck just seemed to bounce off his stick. He was missing nets, fanning on one-timers, but he just seems to have corrected that. He got hauled down tonight on a pretty blatant trip that didn't get called. But, yeah, it, it just seems like he's always in the mix. And, you know, we, we were worried kind of about, you know, what is Fiala going to look like with Rask and Goudreau. And, you know, Rask <laughs> has been Rask and hasn't done a whole lot. But I think Goudreau's definitely helped, you know, contribute to kind of some of those opportunities for Fiala. And I think he's been over 50% on his face-offs through five games, which yeah. is, is always good. So, Yeah, I mean, that's something that I, you know, preseason is preseason and, and you want to see him. Like with a lot of these new guys, all these new guys, these they just have to develop the chemistry and, and preseason you don't always see that because, you know, maybe it's the first games with the team and you don't got the mm-hmm. full roster together and and now you're seeing it and you know, maybe the fact that he played in Nashville or Milwaukee with Fiala too is has helped that. But yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's looked excellent, he's looked quick and just better than uh, maybe expected. Agreed. So one more topic we'll, we'll, we'll do before we wrap up here is we did see Dean Evason shuffle the lines a little bit um, in the third period, mainly just a swap of uh, Jewel Erickson Eck and Ryan Hartman, maybe just trying to get that, that shutdown line back together, maybe just to try to keep things close. Do you guys think we'll see maybe a, a little bit of an overreaction, more, more tweaks, maybe a guy like Rem Pitlick drawing in, maybe a, a Jordy Ben finally drawing in, or do you think Dean Evas has kind of go back and say, hey, we won four games with these lines, we lost one, Let's just reset and go back. Kind of, what do you hope versus what do you think will happen? Well, I, I mean, personally, I think uh, I, I, when I was looking at your player cards for tonight, but I think uh, the bottom pair was actually fairly good mm-hmm. for the uh, second think, game in a row. Yeah, I think for, so. I don't know if necessarily if they'll change anything there, unless you're just going for the sake of change. But I mean, I could, I don't know. I mean, you you could definitely have a reason to. Maybe shape shake up the top line a little bit. Maybe try something new, which they do during the games a little bit. But I don't know. I feel like it's again, it's it's. I guess it's one game. If it for me, I I just don't know how I would just overreact and make huge changes over just one game. Dean Dean's not a huge, Dean's not like a Bruce Boudreau tinker where he would you know change him. Gosh, who knows five six times a game. <laughs> oh my gosh, would. <laughs> wow. I expect that we'll see uh, Rem Pitlick here pretty soon. Yeah. I think they're just waiting. I think, you know, to some degree chomping on the bit to get him in there. I don't know who sits out if he goes in, but mm-hmm. I do think that they, I, I would, that would be my, <laughs> I don't think Rask's time on this team is long anyway. No. I, I mean, no, you right. got to figure that if Boldy and Rossi uh, get healthy at some point here, uh, one of them is going to come up and you got to believe that if Rask is in the penalty box or is in the press box, he's going back down. I, um, I would not be surprised if we see Rem Pitlick either in their next game, but sometime in this next road trip. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I think, you know, 
it's kind of hard to to alter the lineup like us even a small change like that when you've won four straight games coming from behind but i think you know a, a little loss like this and you go well we only got two goals from our fourth line tonight you know fiala was close let's maybe try to get you know a guy who has a history of producing offense in like rem pitlick and you know you have kind of the the nashville rejects line there with fiala goodrow and pitlick um, I, I was hoping we'd see that tonight and i was hoping they would go off but um, they decided to go back to rask but rask um i think he had fewer than he was under 10 minutes of ice time again tonight, I think, for the second straight night. So it definitely seems like they're starting to limit his ice time. We've seen him pulled from the power play, not playing penalty kill. Um, it just, it, it, To me, he seems like the odd one, especially with how good Duheim, Stern, Bukestad. You're not sitting any of those guys, and I can't imagine they'd be sitting anyone in that top six. So to me, it just seems like he's kind of the odd one out um, if if they do decide to, to bring Pitlick in, which I think they should. I don't know why you'd put a waiver claim on him if you're just going to have him sit in the press box all year. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah, I don't got much to add. I would like to see Pitt, like see what he can bring to us after we signed him. Don't want to see big changes yet. It's only one loss, and uh, yeah, I don't have much to add. Just basically reiterating what you guys are saying. All right. Well, uh, I think we're right about where we want to be on time. So, any uh, any final thoughts here before we wrap up? We doing predictions? I don't think they'll win the cup this year, but I do definitely see this as a playoff team. I, sure. I really do. And, Absolutely. and I don't think I don't this game, this loss tonight didn't bother me a whole lot. No. I, I think this was uh I think these guys knew coming to the rink tonight they were gassed. It was it had been I mean they had a nice big gap in the week, but back to backs are hard. And mm-hmm. even with Nashville coming off, I think they were coming off two losses coming into this game. Yeah, they they, uh, but, they had played Winnipeg the night before as well. Yeah. And back-to-backs are tough, you know, it's, yep. it's, even if, especially if you're home. Sometimes, and I've, I've heard players say this, that sometimes it's harder to play at home than it is on the road because at home you have the distractions, you have the families, your kids, and they want to do stuff, whereas on the road you play hockey, you go to your hotel, and you play hockey, you go to your hotel, and that's it. Yep. So it really doesn't surprise me or worry me too much that, that they lost this one tonight. I mean, if they go on the road this next three, three game around the road and, yep. you know, get swept in all of them, then we can say, okay, you know, we might have to reevaluate, but I just, I don't see that happening. I think the game in Colorado is going to be another classic game. The, the games with, with the abs are always so good. I don't think there's ever been one game. that hasn't just been like, had you on the edge of your seat the whole time. It's such a great rivalry. I love when they play Colorado. The only team that I like watching them play more is the Blackhawks. Mm, I can't wait to stomp them into the ground this year. If they, keep up. <laughs> yeah. they have, they have yet to play with the lead this year through five games. So. And we thought the Wild were bad with not scoring first. <laughs> right. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. Justin, Zeke, any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, no, I just think, uh, I, I, like you said, it was just one game. I think, yeah, I said this on Twitter, but I think if you would have said that, you know, a couple of weeks ago that they'd be 4-1 and one through the first two weeks, you know, with one goal from their top two players and really without playing maybe their best, I, you know, I would have been, Probably pretty with happy that uh, obviously you know especially since it's a divisional game that maybe makes it you know a little extra disappointing but then again uh, if you just break it down smaller sample sizes they got uh, four wins last week and good uh, and a couple of, I feel like you Brett mentioned earlier easier games in Vancouver and Seattle hopefully here up the next week before they head to Denver so got another good chance to get a couple more wins here. Justin, anything to add? Yeah, no final thoughts for me tonight. Uh, just blanking on my mind with this. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just want to thank Dave uh, for coming on the show, though, yeah, and taking yeah, time out of your uh, busy day and busy life with kids and stuff to talk with us. Oh, man, my pleasure, guys. You don't have to ask me too much to, to talk hockey. It's just a matter of <laughs> pinning me down that we can do it. But right. I'll talk hockey anytime. 
Anything uh, you want to plug, or uh, and if not, just tell everyone uh, where, where they can follow you and, and kind of your work. You know, I have nothing, for the first time in a long time, nothing specific to plug other than uh, I'm on Twitter at Dave underscore Schwartz. It's S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, Dave underscore Schwartz. Um, and I'm usually talking hockey or uniforms or uh, yeah, people yelling at me about Vikings takes <laughs> that they don't like. So, you know, it's, it's entertaining. I hope you come and have a good time. All right, uh, Zeke, remind everyone where they can find you and your work. Uh, you can find me, as usual, on Twitter at uh, ZBWildNation underscore HW. And uh, also, uh, stay tuned to my Twitter for the next couple of days. So I have an announcement on where you'll be able to find my work here coming up soon. Ooh. So. Exciting, exciting. And well, Justin, what about, you? what about you and your work? Uh, you can find me at DEAST2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with the CapriceF Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. The unfortunate thing about this road trip is we're back to the nine o'clock starts both Tuesday and Thursday, eight o'clock on Saturday. So, uh, Get those extra cups of coffee in. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday night this week uh, with another special guest who will be kind of our uh, resident Minnesota Whitecaps expert, so we're excited to have her, so stay tuned for that. But until Wednesday, this has been another episode of Sound the Fire.